Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotti, your host, as always, with you guys. And tonight, previewing the Tar Heels' upcoming game in Keenan Stadium to open the 2021 home slate against the Georgia State Panthers. And, uh, it's officially time to move on. Carolina yeah. did not play well at all in the game against Virginia Tech. It was definitely a very disappointing one. But, you know, look, I, I think we've got to talk about this again really quickly here. We touched on it a little bit last night. But this mindset that the season is in peril, that the season is over, that some people are taking, not mainly not Tar Heel fans. There are a lot of people nationally, though, that think that everything that the Tar Heels had expectation-wise is completely out the window and that there's no way of Carolina being able to recover after a loss to a team that is now ranked inside of the top 25. Yeah. Um, I think that this is – it's an important game for Carolina to be able to move on from it, but what, I, I don't – maybe it's just me. I'm not understanding this mindset of these people that Carolina is done and finished and that this season is, is a lost season already. Those are people outside of maybe like the Kirk Herbstreets, the David Pollocks, that don't really know where Carolina's at and where they've come in the last two years and now we're in year three of Mac Brown. The expectations that were expected of this team were too high. When you're having to replace as much as this team has to replace – offensively, um, and, and when you're losing Chassarai in your defense, you were asking too much out of a team that hasn't proven that it was ready to be asked 
that much out of. Um, and like I said last night in the recap, the the the, the Virginia Tech loss hurt, and it, it, it stung for a lot of different reasons. But what are our season goals? Was our season goal to beat Virginia Tech? No, our season goal was to take another step in the right direction, which is win nine to ten regular season games, compete in an ACC championship, uh, an ACC championship game, and return to the New Year Six. That's still all attainable, and if Carolina does that, we'll kind of forget all of this that we're talking about now following the loss to Virginia Tech five days ago. And I, I think that's a great way to put it. I think, you know, look, does this mean that the game coming up against Virginia is going to be an important one? Yes, but this was a possibility that I think we all knew uh, was going to be on the table because, again, it's like I've said – uh, to you, and I, I may have said it the other, last night on the podcast, I'm going to be honest, there was a little bit of blinding rage at times that I forgot exactly what I was saying. Uh, but, look, I, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, it, that's a loss that if you would have told us before the season that, okay, guys, this is, this is a loss, I don't think any of us would have really been all that shocked that Carolina dropped that game. We knew that was a possibility coming yeah. in. That was one of the games on the schedule that we did look at and say, look, there's, there, there is a toss-up factor to that game. So we knew that this was a possibility, and now it's just about how can Carolina rebound against a team in Georgia State that uh, you know Carolina has on their schedule. It looks like it's one of the more beatable teams, and Carolina should be able to take care of business. A couple of things that you know we'll touch on really quickly before we get into the game. Just a couple of notes about some of the guys that are going to be in attendance at the game. Uh, the most significant name that will be in attendance for Carolina, he confirmed it today on his social media. Mac Brown confirmed it then in the press conference. Tariel, linebacker, uh, one of the best to ever do it at Carolina, and then went on to be one of, if not the best defensive player to ever play uh, at the NFL level, Lawrence Taylor, is coming back to Chapel Hill for this game. Uh, I, uh, you know, again, I've, I've haven't been as in tune as I am now with social media um, for, you know, I mean, I've, I've probably been in this in tune for, what, three or four years now? So maybe he had returned, you know, a few years ago. I can't remember the last time that Lawrence Taylor came to a game. It's been a long, yeah. long time. It hasn't been in our lifetime that so, we can remember. Yeah, so, I mean, he this is big news to get him back on campus. Uh, he's a guy that, look, I mean, he it is what it is. He's He's got, you know, a pass that's a little bit checkered, but he's a guy that uh, Carolina fans definitely adore for what he did on the field. Um, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be honored. He'll be out there, and uh, that that should be something that should definitely electrify Keenan Stadium on Saturday night, which is expected to be sold out. Carolina will also be honoring two, uh, you know, two different people. One pregame, that's Lee Fitch. He's a guy that was uh, hit by a car last year, um, and Mac Brown, I think, did go and visit him at one point um, in. Uh, when he was in the hospital, everything like that, has kind of you know seen him through his recovery, uh, and he is actually going to be honored by the team pregame, but it will not be public. He is going; it's going to be something behind the scenes. They're going to try to make it you know a special experience for him. One guy that will be honored publicly, though, uh, in the spirit of, of course, it being 20 years since 9/11, uh, will be Kirby Saunders, who was a first responder uh, who did go up to New York and helped with the 9/11 response. So he is going to be one of the guys that 
will be honored in game. That will be public. Uh, so that should be a, another really cool moment on Saturday night if you are in attendance. And as of right now, the game is sold out. I know yeah. there are still some people that are moving tickets around, some people that you know are potentially not going to be able to go because of work or something like that. So there are still tickets available. You guys can find them uh, mostly on the secondhand websites. That's probably the best place to go if you are looking for tickets. I know that uh, Adam Lucas, uh, who does the Carolina Insider Pod, they have four free tickets that they're giving away. So Toriel fans, if you're interested in that, uh, him and Jones, friends of the podcast, so uh, always willing to promote anything that they have going on. So go over there, check that out if you're trying to get tickets. Uh, but it is going to be a pretty good environment. That's the expectation uh, from head coach Mac Brown heading in. Uh, this is the first ever meeting Carolina's going to mm -hmm. have uh, with uh, Georgia State. Uh, lost 43-10 uh, to 10 in their opener against Army, team that did not, did not play well, but they were also missing an extremely significant uh, piece in wide receiver Sam Pinckney. Uh, he kinda, he, he's a name that some Toriel fans may be familiar with. Uh, Carolina offered him when he wasn't a, a recruit. Uh, comes out of the upstate of South Carolina, so um, that's he he's, was their leading receiver a year ago. Extremely talented guy, and if he plays in this game, that's one that Carolina has to keep an eye on. Uh, you said that you went back and watched uh, some of this game. I watched uh, from, the entire game from watched, the other day. You know what? Four. What were your impressions of this Georgia State team? I know it's a little bit tough trying to get a feel for them against an Army team that you're not going to have to face teams like that going forward. But what did you think about the Panthers? I think the thing that you got to take away from watching the game, and when, uh, I think the staff really heart on this, when, you know, as we're as they're preparing for it, Georgia State doesn't have the talent. But they have the experience. They got they're returning um, a lot of starters on offense, a lot of starters on defense. You know the broadcast said all twenty two, but you look at various sites, some as nineteen twenty. Nonetheless, they're in, you know all their starting offensive linemen are back. Their wide receiver Sam Pinkney, if he's able to go, he's a big time player. He can make plays against any secondary in college football. The thing that Army did though that I think Carolina's got to do is they jumped on him and they got up, and that game got out of hand very quickly. And it made Georgia State one-dimensional. And Cornelius Quad Brown is a mobile quarterback, so some Carolina's got to prepare huh. for in this game. But he's not a great thrower of the football once you have him mobile. So I think that's something Carolina's got to do. I think offensively you can run the ball on them, whether you run at them up the middle or you want to get on the edges. And, you know, their pass rush wasn't. Now, granted, Army is a triple option team. But when they bootlegged and did play action, all the running game that Army had done sucked their defense their, their defensive back uh, up. They were able to hit him over the top. So I think there's a lot of ways Carolina can attack this team that gets back to who they are, which is running the football. And I think that's something that, you know, we stressed last night when we recapped this game. And, you know, I didn't really mention this last night, but when we were down 14 to nothing, I kind of felt like Carolina should have put the ball in Sam Howell's hands and throwing the football because you felt like you needed to score a touchdown. Looking back on it, think if Carolina would have stuck with the run game in the first half, maybe things go around differently. So Carolina's game plan should kind of get back to who you are. This is a run-first offense. Allow your offensive line to establish the line of scrimmage. If not, you've got bigger issues than you believe you have. We believe the issues that we saw last week are fixable. But this is a very vulnerable team that Carolina should treat as a sacrificial lamb that you've got, you've got to get a lot of answers out of this game in terms of rhythm in your offense. And, you know, Mac Brown said we got to find out. we got to start isolating players at the wide receiver spots and that running back spots. You can find that out in this game against Georgia State. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I think this is a game that – 
Um, I mean, I, I look, you can't take this team lightly because a few years ago they did go in and beat Tennessee. Yep. Ty Chandler was on that team. Yep. So he had a, apparently, according to Mac Brown, he, uh, in the meeting that they had today, stood up in front of all the guys and told them, look, this is a team that is capable of winning games. Sean Elliott is a guy that uh, has coached at, at a big level. Remember, he was an interim coach for South Carolina at one time. So he's not afraid of these types of matchups. Nope. So Carolina's got to be prepared. But I think you're right. This should be a game that Carolina should not have much issue with, especially if they're the team that we thought they were coming into the season. And, and that's the thing. That's the reason I started off the podcast with what we talked about. I still think that this team is the team that we thought they could be to start the season. I think there, you know, there there are some things that are a little bit more questionable than we probably thought, mm-hmm. but I think that this is a team that can still reach the level that we knew they were capable of reaching, and it starts in this game against Georgia State. You know, look back to 2020 for Georgia State. It is still early enough in the season where we do that. Last year, uh, 2020 offensive numbers, they averaged 33.3 points per game. Uh, They uh, finished with 424.3 yards of total offense. Uh, You had 230.3 passing yards per game and 194.0 rushing yards per game. Defensively, not a great team in terms of you know the points per game average allowed 31.7 points per game but overall their numbers not all that bad uh, 411.1 total yards per game Le- team that you could throw on though they allowed 274.3 passing yards per game but only 136.8 rushing yards per game which probably is attributed to the fact that you could pass on them but mm-hmm. they're a team that finished last year pretty well they went to a bowl game and beat Western Kentucky, finished the season 6-4. and four. So it's one of those teams that could be scrappy, but I think no doubt in my mind that Carolina, with the talent that they have on the field, this should not be much of an issue for them, and they, and they should be able to iron some stuff out. Now, in terms of that stuff that they have to iron out, uh, I, I think the main thing that Carolina's got to get figured out is this offensive line group. They have got to find a way to get this group in a better off to a better start than we saw from them the other night in Blacksburg. And we talked about it on the recap pod. To me, there's one simple fix that you know you can make right now, which is to switch a Sim Richards and Joshua Zudu back. Yep. At the least, even if for some reason you don't go with a Sim Richards, you need to move Joshua Zudu back to guard. Yes, I know that he was good out there at left tackle. When he is not in there at guard, your offensive line isn't. It's not. It's not the. It's not it's, the best form of your offensive line. Exactly. So it's about getting. Uh, it look. Most people will take the strategy. Well, it's about getting your best five offensive linemen out there. No, it's really not. It's about getting the five that allow you to be the most successful. Joshua Zudu, you may think that he's a guy that can be a left tackle, that can eventually go get to that spot at the NFL level. Yeah, let the NFL make that decision. Right. Right now, what's best for your team is to keep him at guard. Mm-hmm. You need him inside there, especially if you're going to have Kieran Johnson down there at center again. You need a guy that is a veteran, that is one of your better communicators on the line next to a guy in Kieran Johnson that – simply just has not been that guy before. He has not had to be the leader of your first unit for long. Uh, it's been, you know, since the start of fall camp, 
But that's something that he's still working on. He's going to have those moments where he's going to need to work through it. So having a veteran next to him, I think, would be extremely important. I'm not with these people. There are some people that think that Kieran Johnson should be out of there. They want to see Jonathan Adorno in there. I'm not really to that point yet. I didn't think he was that bad in no. this game. Uh, but the other thing is, is that if Brian Anderson can return, that would be huge. What are you know? What are you looking for from this offensive line on Saturday night against Georgia State? You know, I think you know you, the communication should be an issue because you're at home, so you should have that somewhat ironed out. I thought Carolina was just out physical the other night, and that's been the biggest problem we've had with this offensive line group in their most in in, in all of their losses, and in the losses that really say this is where we got to get better at. Georgia State's not a – like, if, if Georgia State's able to push around and lives in the backfield for Carolina, we've got big-time issues. I want to see this offensive line establish the line of scrimmage early, and I think the best way to do that is to come out and run the football. Whether it's one- or two-yard gains, you're hoping that in the, in the second half those are five-, six-, seven-yard gains. So hopefully Phil Longo does his offensive line a favor. That way we're not stuck in third and longs all night long to where the Georgia State pass rush can – Penitentiary's back come after you. They can send some blitzes at you or whatnot. It starts up front with the physicality. And, you know, and once you get physical and you can wear this team out, you can make them quit, and then it just it snowballs from there. So what about the wide receiver group? That's an area that Carolina struggled at as well. Yeah. Uh, Josh Downs looked pretty good, but everybody outside of him uh, didn't. You know, they struggled to create separation, and they had some catchable balls that they let go awry. How do you think this unit can bounce back, and who do you think is the guy that is going to step up out of this group? Their play caller can do them a, a little bit of a, of a favor and get the quick passing game going, get the balls in their hands a lot quicker, and then make them make plays and make them break tackles and stuff after they've caught the football, let, as opposed to letting them run 10, 15, 20 yards down the field and you're going to make a contested catch. I'm still going to go with Emory Simmons as the guy that's going to step up because – I. You know, Mac Brown talked so highly of him in the spring, so highly of him in the fall. And even after the other game the other night, he still left encouraged by what Emory Simmons did, even though we're not sitting here encouraged. The head coach is, and I think that speaks volumes. But you got to give Josh Downs help. I'd like to see maybe some more rotation in this game as well. Don't know how, what they're going to do about that in terms of the status of Choffrey Brown and some other guys. But I think if they can get the quick passing game going and just get these guys comes so they can catch the football, then it'll be easier to throw the deep ball and then you go up there and make plays. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Emory Simmons is the guy that most people would look at because – I mean, he had a couple of drops in this game, but he was targeted nine times for a reason. He was yeah. the guy creating the most separation of those outside receivers. So I, 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 I'm with you. I still think he has a chance to probably be the guy that steps up out of that group. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on Antoine Green either. I know that he, you know, he was a guy that clearly struggled to create some separation because when we saw him in the spring game be able to get open, that was a guy that Sam Howell went to rather often. Yep. And he looked good. I mean, even the other night, he was targeted three times, but he had two catches for 20 yards. So I think he's another guy to keep an eye on here over the next couple of weeks to sort of get himself going. And, man, you know, we knew it. We knew he was going to get more opportunities. Garrett Walson's got to take advantage of him because he had a couple of opportunities to make plays the other night, and those aren't going away. That's not a guy that they're going to go away from because they need him early on in the exactly. season. But he's got, he's got to step up. You're finally getting these opportunities, 
and you've got to make the most of them if you're Garrett Walston. This team needs him to be able to make the most of them uh, if they want to get to where they're going to get to, especially early on in the season mm-hmm. while they're still waiting for some of these other guys to develop. What are you looking for out of Sam Howell? Because he did not – clearly that was one of the worst games of his career. Uh, I, I talked about it last night on the Recap Podcast. It's probably either that game – or the game against Wake Forest back in his freshman season on the road, get uh, what, third game of his career, yeah. I believe? Uh, just wasn't a great performance out of him. What do you think he has to do in this game to sort of instill some confidence uh, back in some Toriel fans that somehow seem to have lost a little bit of faith in him? Yeah, I expect Sam Howell to be Sam Howell. I don't think that Sam Howell we saw at Virginia Tech, we're going to see that ever again. Um, I think he's going to come back, and I think he's going to be smarter with the football you know, and look, the thing that we complained about the most about him was trying to make too many plays, and that's a really bad thing to complain about because that's just the kind of guy that he is. I do think he'll be a little bit more willing to let the plays happen, and in the plays that are there, he'll he'll take it because this is a game where you're hoping he doesn't have to force the issue a whole lot, let alone in the fourth quarter. It's not going to surprise me if he comes out and throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and he looks like the Heisman hopeful that we thought he was going to be entering the season because usually when he's played bad, he responds in a big-time way. Well, look, his team's got to help him out. It is that simple that the guys around him, mainly on his offensive line and at wide receiver, need to step up like we talked about. Yep. But I, I, I'm with you 100%. I think that this game – This is a bad spot for Georgia State, getting him coming off a game where he did not play well. And look, he's not a guy that's going to show anger. That's never – he's – to be honest with you, I don't really know an emotion that Sam has ever really shown outside of a little bit of happiness here and there. He is very even-keeled. That's always been how he's been, even through high school. But he's going to come out motivated to make a statement because here's the thing about it. He didn't have a great first week. But not a lot of the other teams, or a lot, not a lot of the other Heisman contenders had exactly. great weeks either. And so think, he's still there. He's still got an opportunity. And I think that's something that if you're a Carolina fan that's just a Carolina fan, look around the country and look at these great quarterbacks. And look, I've made the argument that Spencer Radler could be a better quarterback than Sam Howell. He didn't look great against Tulane. DJU... Looks shell shocked against Georgia. Now, granted, against that front seven, I think any quarterback in the country. Yeah, he was, got sacked seven times also. Right. So his offensive line so, wasn't helping him. So out. it wasn't just a Sam Howell problem. It was top right. elite quarterbacks around the country that did not look good on the opening weekend of college football, which goes back to these defenses had a whole offseason to prepare for that first game. That's usually when you see some defenses best performances it's not a coincidence and not many quarterbacks would have went in that environment to begin with and played lights out so yeah I I, there's no reason to be concerned I mean the people and there are so many people overreacting to this team to Sam Howell I've heard you know people that are saying well maybe you know Sam Howell's starting to show some cracks in the armor I've heard people saying that that performance the other night means he has to come back for an extra year I've heard that too as a Toriel fan not gonna complain about that if you want to come back sure that I mean if he comes back next year whoo you talk about expectations but I I don't I don't understand that thinking. I, I just I, I don't see how that performance is going to cast him off and now he's all of a sudden this guy that I mean I've I've seen people that say, Well, he just showed he's Mitch Trubisky. I mean, come let's can we please Oof. not overreact like that. Right? I, I mean it's really not that bad, people, I'm telling you. And and I know that some people will say, Well, you're making excuses for him. 
Two of the interceptions the other night were not his fault. Nope. You got a ball that was ripped away from you, and you had pressure in your face. You were throwing the football, moving your arm forward, and the guy just made – it was guys that made plays. Simple. The third one, yeah, that's one of those things where you just got to eat it and take the sack. But I am not concerned about the junior gunslinger for the Tar Heels. So let's get into our official predictions for the game. I'm going to be I – don't, I don't think this is a close game. I think Carolina is going to come out motivated – uh, they are going to be ready to go. Mac Brown seems pretty encouraged by what he's seen from his team in response to the game against Georgia Tech with what he's seen in practice. It seems like these guys are focused and they're hungry. They want to show the country that, look, that was not the team that we're going to be going forward this year. Uh, I like Carol, you know, at home. I, I think Georgia State, you know, will, will definitely put up a fight. Uh, I think that they're going to – Sean Elliott is a heck of a coach. So I think early on they're, uh, you know, they're, they're going to show some things maybe offensively. Running quarterbacks always seem to bother Carolina a little bit. But I, I don't think Carolina should have much issue in this game. I think Carolina wins it 49-14. Yeah, I think this is a game where I think you're going to see the best, the, you know, the, clearly the best we've seen Carolina look this year. Um you know, we live in an era where blowing opponents out is looked down upon. I feel this is a game where Mac Brown and this offense, they've got – they need a good performance. They, you know, they need to go out yes. yeah. and they need to score 40, 50, hell, 60 points because you've got to have some answers when you go into that game against Virginia. I would not take my foot off the gas until you absolutely – have to. I think the defense is going to build off that second half. I don't see Georgia State being able to contain Carolina's pass rush, especially if Carolina's rotating guys in and out. Hopefully we can get more pressure on that quarterback and let our, our linebackers flow and make plays in space. I think Carolina wins this game 56-10. to um, You know, and I'm going to challenge the fan base. Look, we got to show up. We're going to be there in attendance as we because we got the season tickets. But we got to create an environment that even though this team is 0-1 and they're playing Georgia State, Georgia State gets – shell shot like we looked at Virginia Tech. Not saying we're going to do inner Sandman and look at all that, but we got to get to that point. Can we figure out a song where we can yeah, do something like that? We've got to get to that point where teams fear coming into Chapel Hill and playing, whether it's Georgia State, whether it's Virginia the next week, or Miami in a couple weeks. So, But I do think Carolina's going to respond because everything coming out of this game has been positive, as negative as we felt you know, some 96 hours ago. Well, it only took to the second preview show, but I have already messed up the order of how we normally do things. We did not give our keys to the game, which we have to give the keys to the game to be able to win here. Yeah. Uh, so for Carolina to win this game, I think you mentioned it a little bit. They got to run the ball. Yeah. You've got even if Georgia State comes out, slows down your run game early on. You have a couple of missed assignments up front. You have got to keep running the football because that was one of the main things against Virginia Tech. They abandoned it way too early. When they and then we saw in the small spurts that they did start running the football, they looked good. Yep. I liked what I saw from Ty Chandler. I liked what I saw from DJ Jones. I think both guys should receive carries in this game. I think this is also a good chance to find out if you think that he can be a part of the rotation, what you got in Caleb Hood. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see the Tar Heel running backs have a lot of success in this game and see a good amount of carries uh, because I think, you know, you mentioned it in, in, in the preseason. When this offense is at its best, they run the football. Yes. And I, I think it's a must in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you go back and you've heard Mac Brown, you listen to him on Monday, everything they want to do throwing the football, especially down the field, yep. doesn't come until you've run the football successfully. 
And look, they ran the ball for 146 yards the other night. So that's and look, what did I say in the preseason? 140 to 150. We feel confident that this team can throw the ball around the yard like we expect them to. The problem was they didn't stick with the run to set up all the stuff down the field throwing the football. So I think this is a game where, as much as I think Sam Howell is going to bounce back. I want the running backs to establish a tone that starts with the offensive line creating gaps up front. Lean on Ty Chandler. Let DJ Jones wear them guys down, like you said. We got we, we we want three backs. We feel like we need three backs this year. We didn't see a whole lot of Caleb Pope the other night, and maybe rightfully so. I'd like to see him in this game on Saturday. Uh, we should have seen at least more of the two backs. I mean, I felt uh, like that too. Honestly. Um, and, and like you said, I think it opens up your deep passing game. I think that will also help even with the separation in the intermediate and short passing Yeah, game. because those safeties are going to step down in the box, and now with our guys, with their speed and athleticism, they're gone bye-bye touchdown, and everything looks better when that ball's in the end zone. Seriously, and, and they've got to be able to do that in this game. Another thing they've got to be able to do, they've got to be able to communicate better on the offensive line. We heard that from Mac Brown. We heard that from Phil Longo. We heard it from Jordan Tucker, who <laughs> did an interview, and he was very, very honest that, the offensive line communication was not good, and it's unacceptable. It and uh, they th That's an area where they've got to get better. Look, we don't know if they're going to have Brian Anderson in this game. We have no clue. And if they do, we don't, even, we, don't, we don't know how many snaps he is going to play in this game. These guys have to communicate better as a unit no matter who is out there because if they don't, you're going to have a lot of issues similar to what you saw in the game against Virginia Tech. Hopefully that switch at left tackle and left guard can help. But the biggest thing that they've got to do in this game is they've got to know where they need to be. They've got to know their assignments on that offensive line or else you're going to have trouble again in this game. Yeah, and I do feel like that, that's gotten addressed this week because I don't think Mac Brown would let them in practice without that being 100% corrected because that's – if we saw it the other night, that can – the inability to communicate, uh, you know, get your run blocks and your pass blocks, it can dismantle what you want to do offensively, and it makes you throw your whole game plan out the window. Um, I do think Carolina will be much better in that that group is in that area as well. Yeah, honestly, at this point, I think they should be on Bluetooth headsets with each other for the entire week, working on <laughs> communication. I mean, everything that you do, communicate it to the guys. Let them know. It, in all seriousness, no, ten four over. It should it should help that they are going to be in a home environment. Yep. That's the one thing. Be loud in you know all the TV breaks. Be loud when Georgia State, of course, has the football. When the offense is on the field, Shut up. let's quiet down a little bit. That was a harsh way to put it. Yep. Let's quiet down a little bit. Let's allow these guys to hear. Let's allow that one Carolina fan that was complaining about how loud Lane Stadium was the other night and gave a uh, a negative Yelp review on on Instagram. Hopefully she gets turned away at the Eden. By the way, Keenan can we Stadium. get this is one of the things. Can we get to the point as an environment where that lady complains about her own home stadium and wants to leave her home stadium? That's my goal. I want people complaining about how that that the stadium is too loud, and they have trouble hearing. Yes. That's the point that we need to get to as a stadium. Um, and, and, you know, the last thing, uh, the last key to the game, got to make some plays on 50-50 balls. And this is on both sides of the football. I know that defensively there were some good things that Carolina did, but Mac Brown mentioned it, and it was something that we saw a couple of times, uh, primarily on, you know, the one drive that Virginia Tech scored to make it 14 nothing. There were a couple of 50-50 balls that guys 
didn't make plays on. Kyler McMichael had one, couldn't make a play on it on the defensive side. And then, of course, when you look at the offensive side, there were a few 50-50 balls that Mm -hmm. Carolina couldn't make plays on. They have got to be able to bring those, those balls down going forward if you want to have success on both sides of the ball and I think that's uh, it's a huge key in this game, especially if Carolina is wanting to get on track, mainly on the offensive side of the ball with those receivers that are in question a little bit. Yeah, defensively, I wasn't overly too concerned about some of the plays that we didn't make on the ball because you got to give credit to what Virginia Tech's guys on the outside did. They made plays and we did not. But I, for me, it comes back to the offense because, and look, we got spoiled with – Deami Brown and Daz Newsom being able to go up and make plays. That's why I thought once we realized that we were not going to be without Bo Corrales, it really hindered our chances of winning the football game. And it showed up because it's a guy that you can throw the ball to and he can go up and make a play. Caroline doesn't have that proven on the field right now, but you've got the talent and the ability in that with Emory Simmons, and you think that also as well with Anton Green. So if, if those if those plays present themselves, and I imagine there will be a couple of plays where it just happens where George State's in position, go make a play because you have the ability and the talent to go do so. So that is your look at the Tar Heels game against Georgia State. My official prediction was 49-14. to You had it, what, 56-10 to yeah. as well. Uh, so make sure uh, you guys send in your predictions for the game. We are live right now, so if you guys want to send those in really quick, get those game predictions in. We will read a couple of those off uh, here as we get ready to close down the show. But we want you guys to head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Get prepared for the Georgia State game. Go back, uh, take a look at some of the stuff from the Virginia Tech game if uh, you're just trying to figure out what exactly went wrong with this team. Of course, we have the recap where we give you the takeaways uh, from the Virginia Tech game and uh, talk to you about uh, what exactly went wrong? How Carolina can uh, sort of get things back on track? Uh, Josh has the trench report, which looks at the struggles of the offensive line and the early struggles of the defensive line, but how they bounce back. And then uh, I do have the stock report up there for you guys where I tell you who's trending up and who's trending down as we head towards this game against Georgia State uh, on Saturday night. So all that stuff's up there. We'll have the preview up there for you guys so you guys can run through that, check it out. It'll be a little more in-depth than what we did here on the podcast. We'll have an in-depth look for you guys at Georgia State to tell you exactly what we expect from the Panthers uh, and what type of team is rolling in here. We'll, of course, have keys to the game. We'll have the uh, injury report uh, as good as we know it. And then uh, we will also, uh, of course, give you guys uh, you know, a uh, uh, look at the projected depth charts uh, that Carolina – or projected starters, I should say, the ones that Carolina will be rolling out and the ones that we expect that Georgia State will be rolling out for this game. Uh, we do want to announce that we are, on the podcast side of things, now a part of the Pigs podcast network really want to thank uh, everybody over there for welcoming me in of course want to thank josh uh he is a part of the basketball podcast network he was uh instrumental in getting them to reach out to us and add us to the pigskin version and um, we are extremely excited they are working on some great stuff over there in terms of sponsorships uh so uh there's going to be some really good opportunities uh coming up for the heel tough blog podcast to potentially expand just a little bit and that's something that we are extremely excited about about going forward. The live editions of the podcast have been a ton of fun. We encourage you guys to uh, follow along with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
you know, keep doing, uh, you know, keep sending in uh, anything that you guys are wanting us to talk about on the show. Uh, of course, uh, give us your reactions to uh, the live editions of the podcast, everything like that. We uh, encourage all that stuff. We, and we really appreciate all the comments that you guys have been uh, sending to us, uh, showing your appreciation for the podcast. And, of course, the audio side of things, it's still the same. We are now on Megaphone. Uh, that's where we uh, put the podcast up that's where our our rss feed is at right now but you can still find it no change to any of the other uh podcast platforms like apple podcast google podcast is still on all those platforms it has not changed it doesn't have to be re-added it's still there and should be in your podcast library as long as you are subscribed so make sure you do that so that you don't miss an episode of the podcast and then uh, lastly, guys, make sure uh, that you are checking out uh, our social media feeds at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for him, at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst. And then, of course, for the official pages at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. And you can search the same thing on Facebook. It'll give you that page, and that'll give you everything. The video podcast that we just talked about, the audio podcast will be up there. You'll have the articles, all that stuff in one central location. And uh, all you got to do is like the page for it to be added to your timeline. So that is it for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. And as always... Go Tar Heels!